one of the more challenging topics to deal with in the context of the spiritual life has been the subject of anger. We've all experienced anger, obviously, over the course of our lives. We've all struggled with anger at various points in our lives. And so it kind of begs the obvious question, what do we do with this? How do we manage our anger from a Catholic perspective, sort of practically speaking? So perhaps you might begin by sort of further clarifying the problem, right? So I would suggest that for most people, most people tend to fall into one of two camps when it comes to the subject of anger. And so, for example, I think for a lot of people, when it comes to the subject of anger, they fall into the category of guilt. They simply feel guilty about their anger. In fact, they feel guilty about any sort of unpleasant or negative emotion, whether we're talking about sadness, fear, or certainly anger. As a result of which, these people try to simply suppress their anger at any cost. On the other hand, I think a lot of people tend to go the way of giving free reign to their anger, in a sense of giving themselves complete permission to do whatever they feel like in response to their anger, thinking perhaps that the alternative is sort of going the way of an unhealthy sort of self-denial, if you will. Now, obviously, this kind of begs the question, what's the Catholic response to all this? Well, perhaps as is typical of the Catholic Church, the response lies somewhere in the middle. So at this point, I want to walk you through certain key principles that you might find kind of helpful when dealing with the subject of anger. So the first thing we got to keep in mind when it comes to the subject of anger, in fact, all sorts of unpleasant or negative emotions, is that our emotions have no moral content. They're neither good nor bad. They simply describe how we feel in response to a particular situation. And we know this because of what we find in the gospel when we examine the life and the words and the example of Christ. And so, for example, think of it like this. In the context of the gospel, was Jesus ever sad? Well, yeah, Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus, his friend. Was Jesus ever angry? Well, certainly throughout the course of the gospel, Jesus railed multiple times against the scribes and the Pharisees precisely for their hardness of heart. And then finally, did Jesus Christ ever experience fear? Well, certainly he experienced fear. He even sweat blood in the context of the Garden of Gethsemane in anticipation, of course, of his suffering and death on the cross. And of course, the takeaway message with regards to all these different examples is that, again, our emotions have no moral content. They're neither good nor bad. They simply describe how we feel in response to a particular situation. And the reason why we know this is because Jesus Christ, who, of course, is fully human and fully divine, experienced a full range of human emotions, including so-called unpleasant or negative emotions, such as, again, sadness, fear, and anger, while at the same time never actually being guilty of committing sin. Okay, so that's sort of the first Catholic principle to observe when it comes to the subject of anger. But the second principle is this, and this comes from the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas. And so Aquinas basically says that when it comes to anger, anger can either be a virtue or a sin. And so, for example, Aquinas says that your anger can be sinful if it results in this irrational desire for vengeance. And so, for instance, if I respond to my feeling of anger by wanting to destroy the person who has given rise to my anger, well, then obviously that's problematic and in fact is actually a sin. On the other hand, again, Aquinas says that your anger can be virtuous in the sense of acting like an honest friend who tells you that, you know, I perceive that something unjust has been done here, either to you or your loved ones or basically in the context of the world. So again, your anger can either be a sin or can be a virtue. You know, Bishop Robert Barron talks about this particular point from a whole variety of different standpoints, right? And so, for example, he talks about John Paul II. And so he says, you know, you got to ask yourself the question, was John Paul II angry in response to religious intolerance in the context of communist countries? Well, obviously, the answer is yes. 
To use another example, think about the person of Gandhi. And so again, Bishop Robert Barron asked the question, was Gandhi actually angry in response to the reality of British oppression? And of course, the answer again is actually yes. And then finally, to cite one more example, Bishop Barron asked the question, was Martin Luther King angry in response to racial injustice in America? And again, the answer is yes. And of course, the common denominator with regards to all these different examples is that whether we're talking about John Paul II, Gandhi, or Martin Luther King, none of these great men used their feeling or experience of anger to justify any sort of destructive desires which might happen to have arisen in their hearts. But instead, they learned to focus their anger. They learned to channel their anger towards something more productive, more life-giving, more conducive with God's salvific designs in the context of this world. To further illustrate the point, perhaps we may focus now on a movie which came out a couple years ago, simply entitled Paul, Apostle of Christ. So as you might expect, the movie basically revolves around the figure of St. Paul. And specifically, the movie focuses on a series of interviews conducted by St. Luke while Paul is in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. And so for our purposes today, I want to focus specifically on one scene which shows up in the movie where St. Luke is basically telling St. Paul about the current plight of the Christian community. And so basically what St. Luke says to St. Paul is that the early Christians are being persecuted by the followers of the Emperor Nero, as a result of which certain young men from the community want to basically fight back. In response to which St. Luke basically says to these men that they can't respond to the evils and wickedness of the world with the so-called weapons of the world, for basically two reasons. First of all, because to do so would probably result in an escalation of the situation, but secondly, because to do so would essentially undermine their message. And so again, just to kind of quote Bishop Robert Barron, if I put myself out to be an advocate for the Prince of Peace, who of course is Christ himself, but I respond to evil and violence in this world with a sort of answering violence, well, again, that, that sort of undermines my message. It undermines my message of, of peace and love and hope and reconciliation with God the Father. And so given all that, Luke basically concludes this State of the Union address to St. Paul by saying to him that what he said to the young man was essentially this, love is the only way. Now at this point, things get kind of interesting, right? So up to this point in the scene, St. Paul has basically been reclining in his own bed, listening to St. Luke tell this really elaborate story. But the moment that St. Luke is done, St. Paul basically rises from his own bed and stands over St. Luke, assuming therefore the position of a teacher and a mentor, because he wants to convey to St. Luke something really important, not just for his own benefit, but for the benefit of the entire Christian community. So basically he goes on to enumerate the various characteristics of love. And so what he says to St. Luke is, look, love is patience, love is kind. Love is never arrogant or boastful or rude. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but instead rejoices in the truth. Love endures all things, suffers all things, bears all things. Love never ends. And of course, when you hear that, it sounds familiar, which it should, right? Because it comes from this really famous letter, 1 Corinthians, specifically chapter 13, which is typically read in the context of weddings. But of course, when St. Paul says these words of St. Luke in this particular context, these words take on a whole new meaning. And so these words no longer simply sound cute or nice, but instead they convey a sense of strength, a sense of courage, even a sense of heroism. And given the context of the scene from this movie, when St. Paul says these words to St. Luke, basically what he's doing is essentially calling St. Luke on his bluff, saying to him that the reason why the words that you said to these young men who want to go out and fight kind of ring hollow in your own heart is because essentially, basically, you're not buying what you're selling. In other words, at the end of the day, you think that love is weak. But I got to tell you that real, authentic Christian love is not weak, but instead it's actually really strong. It takes great strength to be patient, 
to be kind, to suffer and endure all things, to wait for God to come through for you when you're being persecuted in this really aggressive, violent, and willful sort of way. But the thing you got to remember is that that's the sort of love which is necessary to bring about the realization of God's salvific designs. And more to the point, that's the love which is absolutely essential to finally change the world. Okay, now I realize there's sort of a lot going on here, but perhaps I might end now by, by giving you some practical advice, some practical tips as to what you might do the next time you come to experience the feeling or experience of anger in your life. And so the next time you're feeling angry, the first thing to remember is to not feel guilty, to not feel guilty at the feeling or unpleasant experience of anger. You always got to come back to this idea, right? That your emotions have no moral content. They're neither good nor bad. They simply describe how you feel. And so therefore, when you experience anger, rather than feel guilty about feeling anger, perhaps you might ask yourself, like, why do I feel angry? And to take your time with it, right? To really kind of explore that particular idea and toss it around in your head so you can get to the point where you can say to yourself, in all honesty, I feel angry because of this. And again, to go over that exercise over and over again until you feel comfortable with that particular statement, that you feel that it rings true with your own experience. Again, I feel angry for this reason as opposed to that. Okay, so that's kind of the first thing. But, but the second thing is this. You want to ask the Holy Spirit to shed light on your particular situation. And so again, go back to the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas, right? So when he talks about anger, he says that anger can be a virtue in a sense of, again, being this honest friend who says to you on some level, look, I perceive that there's something wrong about the situation at hand. The key word there being perceive or perception, which implies that there can be an error in terms of the perception of your feeling or experience of anger. And so given all that, again, you want to ask the Holy Spirit to shed light on this particular situation, which has given rise to your feeling or experience of anger. And in other words, you want to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to see the situation as God actually sees it. But that brings us to my third and final piece of advice, which is basically to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what to do in response to your anger. Now, again, you want to be patient with yourself. You want to be patient with the process, right? And so perhaps in the immediate aftermath of the circumstance, which has given rise to your experience or feeling of anger, you want to build on time and space to give yourself basically a cooling down period, right? To help you see more clearly what it is, again, that God wants you to do in response to this feeling of anger. In any case, if you do this, if you're patient and you're calm and you pray into the situation and you ask God specifically for the grace and the wisdom to see what he wants you to do in response to this feeling or experience of anger, what you'll discover in the vast majority of cases is that he's calling you to be patient. He's calling you to be kind. He's calling you to suffer and to endure. And not simply to avoid escalating perhaps what is already a tense situation, but also to bear witness. Because the thing you got to keep in mind, right, is that in a certain sense, there is nothing more powerful, nothing more provocative than someone who is willing to suffer and endure all things in the face of tremendous evil. Because what you're doing, if you live in that space, what you're doing is you're actually giving witness to the reality of the suffering Messiah, the one who is willing to suffer and endure all things for the salvation of the world. And may God bless you all.